This is the Our Little Romance Book Club podcast. I'm Tim. And I'm Ash. We're going to be exploring some of the best self-help books in the genre in our quest to level up in our personal lives so that we can show up stronger and more authentic in our marriage. So, whether you've been in a relationship for decades or days, come and grab our latest read and a cup of coffee and come learn how to level up yourself and your marriage. Hey guys, welcome back to Our Little Romance Book Club. I'm Ash. And I'm Tim. And today we are starting episode one, and we're going to just dive right into Game Changers by Dave Asprey. Um, We're going to go over law number one, which is use the power of no. But before we get started on that, we wanted to start every episode by asking each other and ourselves three questions. So we'll be answering these every single episode, probably at the beginning of the episode. So the three questions are, what did we fight about this week? What was our best or favorite moment this week? And (coughs) what did you uh, appreciate about your spouse this week? So those are the three questions that we're going to be answering every single episode. So let's just dive right in. (laughs) What did we fight about this week? Yeah, so um, we were apart for most of this week. Ashley just got back into town yesterday yesterday Mm -hmm. and was gone for most of, of the week. So we didn't have... A ton of opportunity to fight because we didn't talk to each other <laughs> much but um after she got back we did have i mean we had a discussion regarding the purchasing of movie theater tickets to go see the avengers because we had told our kids we were going to see it on friday and i had expectations for her and she had expectations for me as to who was going to do what and neither of us fulfilled those expectations because neither of us communicated to each other what those expectations were. And so both of us ended up being a little frustrated at how things turned out. Sounds like the super vague version, right? (laughs) Well, I didn't want to get into another fight right now. (laughs) Who may or may not have been most right (laughs) in this situation. No, it's not about that. I think, you know, I was just feeling stressed and trying to be present in the moment with family that I was visiting in Charleston and, you know, dealing with all the wedding stuff that was going on over there. And I, I felt frustrated because I felt like, you know, why are you bugging me about this? Can't you handle this on your own? But then also I had unfair expectation that he would understand that I was going to purchase the movie tickets via amc because we have like the amc membership so we get points and we earn free stuff and discounts on tickets and all of that and because all of us were going plus jaden's friend like it was going to be kind of an expensive trip and so i was looking forward to collecting all the points and so somehow i had the expectation that he would square everything with um the friend's mom about what time and that he would research you know what showings had enough seats all together since it was opening weekend and then let me know so that I could then purchase tickets but the only thing I really communicated to him was can you please just handle this um so I was well and that was after after I had asked you hey did you buy tickets and then you were like no we don't I can't find anything can you just handle this and that was like further on in the week so um, for easter we told our kids hey for your easter basically an easter present ashley bought him a five dollar gift card to target for treats for a movie and then 
we told him that we would take him to go see Avengers on Saturday. And so I had in my mind, that seemed like Ashley's idea, so I thought she was going to take point to make that happen. And so then I had asked her, hey, can you look for tickets? And then she was trying to look on the AMC app and couldn't find anything, and then just asked, could you handle it? So I handled it. Yeah, and I think part of part of the issue why we had some conflict is that I tend to be very flexible generally myself as far as like scheduling things and if we can't do it this weekend I'm like oh let's just do it next weekend and Tim tends to be very much uh we're gonna do exactly what we say we do um which is obviously very important and I think there's a place for each but I think he felt that you know we had made this commitment to our kids to take them to see it um, on Saturday. And so me saying, well, I can't find any tickets. Let's just wait till next week. I think to him felt like I was being irresponsible that I had made promises I couldn't keep and hadn't followed through. And so he found a way to make it happen, even though it wasn't the way that I had in mind. So I think that's probably the gist of it. Yeah. Yep. All right. So question number two, what was our best or favorite moment from this last week? going to see Avengers with the kids. <laughs> that was today. We guys. made it happen. Yes. No, it was fun. That was fun. And we won't include any spoilers in case you haven't seen it. But by the time this episode comes out, you better have seen it. Otherwise, you're not a true fan. <laughs> um, I think my favorite moment from this last week was just the time that we were able to spend together in Charleston and um, just the relationships that we were able, able to foster with members of my family that we don't get to see very often and yeah. so being able to experience that together was really cool um and then the last question what did you appreciate about your spouse this week so i think for me i guess this isn't particularly in relation to myself but you know she had an opportunity to go to charleston and to be uh, the best ma'am for <laughs> her cousin and who's the groom and we did the bachelor party together with him and everything. And so I think it was just a real blessing to him for her to come out and do that and for me to come out and be a part of the bachelor party. And um, I think it just meant a lot to him. And I think he's always looked up to Ashley a lot. And so for her to be there for him during that week and, you know, the wedding and everything was a big deal. And... You know, Ashley was able to foster relationships with other members of her family, her grandma and her cousins and her uncle and her aunts and other cousins. So I just uh, admire, <laughs> I just admire her, uh, her desire to foster those relationships with the family. Oh, thanks, babe. Um, definitely the thing I appreciated the most about Tim this week is that he really, truly did hold down the fort and pick up all the slack that I had left behind here in Phoenix while I was gone in Charleston and, you know, didn't complain and didn't, you know, give me grief about, you know, I wish you could come home or, you know, this really sucks. I'm sad you're not here. Like he didn't make me feel guilty for being there at all. And, um, was just very, very supportive of, you know, everything that I was trying to do to, uh, you know, be with my cousin and my family, um, during that time. And, and all the time that I was able to spend. So I really appreciated that you were cool with me staying out there that long. 
So thanks. <laughs> Doing best. All right. All right, guys, we're going to jump into chapter one of Game Changers by Dave Asprey. Chapter one is called Focusing on Your Weaknesses Makes You Weaker. And so we're going to start off with law one, which is use the power of no. So it's been really difficult for us, like, not to talk about this book because I... I think that was on me. I kind of set this stipulation that like I didn't want to talk about it until we came to the podcast because I wanted everything to be as authentic, like our reactions and our conversation as possible. I didn't want it to be terribly structured and feel like a lecture or like we had bullet points we had to hit or anything like that. So first impressions. What? I, would have, I would have liked bullet points. Tim would have liked bullet points because he is a planner and he does not. Points. He doesn't like flying by the seat of his pants. No. So this is me improving, so I apologize in advance. <laughs> so what was your first impression of law number one, which is use the power of no? So I'll read the little blurb underneath the, underneath the law there. Okay. You have 24 hours in a day. You can choose to spend those hours creating things you truly care about, dealing with insignificant matters, or struggling to prove your worth by doing the things that are hardest for you. Master the art of doing what matters most to you. The things that create energy, passion, and quality of life with the lowest investment of energy. Say no more often. Make fewer decisions so that you have more power for your mission. So I think first impression, um, you know, for a lot of people that are married and have kids, when I, I think the general impression when you read things like this is like, oh, yeah, that's fine. When you have, you know, whatever, millions of dollars like Dave Asprey, and you can pay people people to do everything that you need to do during the day except what you actually care about or, you know, you got things you got to do, errands to run, kids to take care of. And so I think initially it seems a little overwhelming and discouraging because a lot of the things that are said are, are pretty idealistic. Like there's expectations that you can limit the choices that you make to just the things that bring you passion or just the things that are most impactful. Um, but in reality, that's not always the case. I think the struggle is finding places where you can and doing the best you can with what you got. Cause I think sometimes there's still some room to grow, even though you do have lots of responsibilities. So I think that's one of the things that I want to try to get out of this podcast. Yeah, for sure. And I liked the idea of prioritization. Um, and communicating those priorities with your partner because I think that is a lot of what conflict is born out of in marriage is when each person has different expectations because their priorities are different. And mm. so for me, I really liked how he was encouraging you to be <clears throat> not only aware but honest about what's important to you. Mm. Um, because what might be important to Tim may not be important to me at all and, you know, vice versa. And, and we've definitely dealt with that kind of conflict in our marriage before where, you know, I made something a priority and didn't communicate that. And, right. you know, when Tim didn't make that a priority, that was just really frustrating. And so I think, you know, being able to be aware and honest about what is important allows you to sort of streamline your marriage and kind of get it organized. Yeah, so I think, so this, the, the law kind of breaks down in, into two different sections. So one is generally he talks about, you know, looking at your life 20 years from now and thinking about <clears throat> where you want to be 
and making your decisions based off of that. And then the second one is talking about decision fatigue, which is more on a micro level, so an everyday level, the decisions that you make and trying to prioritize those decisions to make the best decisions that you can. So I think with that first one, kind of looking at the long term, so structuring the things that you do with an eye towards you know, what you, you want your life to look like 20 years from now, what were some of the things that came to your mind in terms of what do you want your life to look like 20 years from now? <laughs> like me personally? Yeah, because it tells you, yeah, hey. Yeah, no, 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 I, I got that. Um, I just didn't know if you were talking to our listeners or to me. Um, that was difficult for me, to be honest. I have generally been afraid to set long-term goals like that for two reasons one I don't like to be tied to it and for some reason in my head I have this idea that when you set a goal you're not allowed to change it or shift it or do something different Um, that no matter what happens in your life you must relentlessly pursue this goal and so for me I think that first fear is a fear of commitment to one singular thing I like to kind of keep my options open I tend to be a very spontaneous person and Mm -hmm. that's that doesn't always serve me well so just for just to to clarify so because it's using the power of no the idea is that you'll say no to the things that don't get you to where you want to be in 20 years right so that's how that's how it ties in so I don't if it wasn't clear for the the listeners yeah well that's the application sure Um, and I think the second fear that I have is just the fear of failure of saying, you know, oh, in 20 years I want to be, you know, I mean, for example, this isn't really what I want, but like CEO of a fortune 500 company, Mm -hmm. that's what I want in 20 years. Well, what happens if I get to 20 years and I didn't make that goal? Like, I think sometimes I struggle with putting too much emphasis on the goal and, and sort of centering my self-worth around it. So that question was really difficult for me. Um, so I kind of honestly avoided it. <laughs> what well, about it was, you? <laughs> it was interesting because I don't, it's difficult for me too because I don't, historically I don't do long-term pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and because our life has been very, I don't sporadic may be the right word. Chaotic. Um, <laughs> so for me, when I was thinking about what I want my life to be 20 years from now, it was things that are independent of my career. So it's things like, oh, what do I want my relationships to my kids to look like? And I, the biggest thing, actually, that, that I thought about was I want to be involved in some sort of mentorship um, with individuals. So, like, I guess whether that's with my job or, or otherwise or if it's a, like a life coaching type thing. Um, when I think about what I want to be doing 20 years from now, that was the actually the, the number one thing that came to mind was that I would be in some kind of mentorship role um, with individuals. Yeah. So it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like a big goal. Like I want to, you know, be the head of a 50 person, 50 attorney law firm. It was more what I want to be like as a person 20 years from now. And I think some of the other stuff will work out. So for me, I think that's a helpful way it's easier for me to look at it that way, like what I want my character to be, and then I can say no to the things that don't build that kind of character inside me. That's such a good point. And I think one of the things that I wrote down, you know, because I was trying to take notes as I was reading this, one of the things I wrote down 
when they were talking about, you know, saying no to things that don't serve your mission. And I love that they use that word mission. Mm. Um, it just brings so much meaning to it is goal oriented marriage and how, I don't know if that's really a thing, you know, that a lot of people are mindful of that they approach it with this sense of purpose. Like, you know, we have a goal in our marriage and and Mm. we're working to achieve that goal. And whether that goal is professional or whether that goal is, you know, like you were saying, character forming Mm. and shaping, or whether that goal is just to get your kids to the age of 18 and out of the house in one piece. I think part of the problem is that if you don't have a goal, if you don't have a mission that you're working towards actively, I think you do allow yourself to be distracted by all of the opportunities that come your way, whether that's, uh, you know, work obligations or familial obligations or all these, all these different distractions that pop up in your life, some good, some not. Mm -hmm. But I think having a goal oriented marriage, um, is just kind of the best way to go if you're looking right. long term. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with that. That if you don't have priorities clear in your mind for what you're going to spend your time doing, other people are going to dictate what you're going to spend your time doing. Mm. Um, either that, or you're just going to spend your time doing things that have no direction, and you know that's not going to be particularly fruitful in your life. So is there anything else you want to say about that? Or you want to move on to the next one? Um, I just wanted to say, like, I really appreciated how he talked about kind of visualizing your life, visualizing mm-hmm. your life, I'm sorry, um, and how it kind of breaks down into these two sections of what matters and who matters and that all your decisions have to take those two things into consideration. And so, you know, I think, I mean, you could almost form an entire like premarital counseling curriculum around this Mm -hmm. about goal setting and priority setting before marriage. Cause I mean, we did some premarital counseling before we got married, but Mm -hmm. it was more of like, you know, have you talked about how you want the toilet paper to hang? And you know, the three things that couples most fight about are money, kids and sex. And you know, these are the major pitfalls you could run into. But I think encouraging people to go into it you know, more prepared and visualizing what they want out of marriage, out of life. And then, you know, kind of brainstorming together. Okay. Well, if this is our goal, what matters and who matters? And then taking those decisions as they come, whether that's having more kids, whether that's buying another house, getting a new car, changing jobs, um, you know, the hobbies that you're pursuing, you know, that way it can all be filtered through, you know, the what matters and who matters that mm-hmm. then points to your mission. Right. No, and I think just obviously going off of that now and like you were saying earlier, I mean, being able to communicate those things to your spouse and saying, okay, this is either the person I want to be or this is a long-term goal that I have. And then that other person can actively help support their spouse in that and say, okay, well, what do you need? You know, how can I help you in that? you know, can I give you these nights to work on it? Or, you know, can I pick up the kids on these days so you can do this? Or when you have a meeting and it's because you think it's going to move you towards this goal, at least for, for me in the past, like when you've asked me to do something and I know it's because, okay, I have a goal to do this and this meeting is going to help me move towards that, you know? So, you know, are you okay to watch the kids or can you cover dinner or whatever the case may be? 
for me, that's always been easier mm-hmm. because it always feels like, okay, now I'm, I'm a part of this thing that you're doing as well, or I'm enabling you and supporting you to do that right. instead of just being like, oh, I'm meeting with a friend. You know, like, and that's, I mean, maybe it's just selfishness on my part, but it's just easier for me to help support you when it seems like it's going, moving towards this, this goal. Yeah, and I think it also brings a sense of accountability between the two of you to the decisions, the big decisions that you make. Mm -hmm. It allows you to approach big decisions, you know, with the appropriate amount of emotion and the appropriate amount of logic because it is a balance, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And so if, you know, I have a tendency, this is my tendency, is to take on too many things and to have, I have a really hard time saying no. And part of that is because I am an inherent people pleaser and I hate, you know, when people are upset with me or when I feel like I've let someone down or if I've not met their expectations. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, I know in the past and it, it really hasn't been filtered through this point of view. So I'm excited to kind of see how this goes from here, you know, as we're implementing these things in our marriage and kind of looking at our priorities and goal and setting some goals together. Cause I'd love to sit down and do that this week, but you know, you have had some, you know, come to Jesus talks with me about taking too much on and being like, okay, like, does this really serve where you want to go? And, mm-hmm. you know, is this really worth your time? And, you know, there have been projects I've taken on when, you know, maybe I haven't gotten paid, but it was still a hundred percent worth it. And then there've been projects I've taken on that have been paid that weren't worth it Mm -hmm. and didn't serve. So I think, you know, having that ability to gently come to your partner and say, Hey, this is the goal. This is the plan that we set. And not necessarily that it's rigid and immovable, but that it offers you the ability to say, Hey, how can I best support you in getting there? Is this new project or this new, you know, favor you're going to do for someone or, you know, whatever the case may be, this decision we're about to make, you know, is this going to push us towards the goal or not? Yeah. And I think, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, Dave Asprey, he's a pretty focused fella. Um, I think sometimes you can have a little bit more flexibility. So, I mean, I tend towards rigidity and Ashley tends towards being a lot more flexible. So I think there is a way that you can do both. So a lot of times when Ashley has something, I know she's really excited about it and I know she's not going to get paid for it, but like she's doing it to bless someone else and she loves it and she's passionate about it. I think that's totally fine. Like, I I think that's great. And I try to encourage her in those things. So I think, I think, if you're just so so ultra focused on it, you can kind of lose. Um, I don't know some of the the personality, like the personhood. I mean, you know, you get. The goal is not to get so focused that you leave everyone behind and say no, this doesn't, you know, contribute towards my goal. I can't hang out with you. You know, whatever. I think there is some. Well, it has to you, be balanced. Yeah, you still got to live as, your like, life. We hate that word. You yeah, know, like, know. what does that mean? <laughs> balance. What does that mean? You know, so it's it's learning that you got to find. I mean, you got to find it yourself, and that's why your spouse is there to say, "Hey, look, you know, I have this. It's not really on track, but I'm, you know, I'm really passionate about doing it. Do you think I should do it? You know, and then it can you can have an opportunity to say, you know, no, I really don't think it's worth your time. Um, yeah. And I think just on like a personal note, like taking this to heart personally and not necessarily how it applies to your marriage directly 
is when you're able to really organize your life in that way, you know, it streamlines and makes you more efficient and more effective in your life, but it also does leave you time for those things that you are passionate about that maybe don't have immediate payback, like mm-hmm. spending time with your kids or, you know, I mean, I think about all the things, you know, that I've done in our marriage and, you know, projects or different jobs and things that I've done and taken on that didn't serve a bigger purpose or a bigger goal and were stressful and frustrating and took time away from, you know, spending time with you and with our kids or, Mm -hmm. you know, fostering those relationships or just time away from doing things that actually would have pushed me towards my goals. So I think, you know, just on a personal note, it's great to kind of get your own priorities straight as you go and approach your marriage so that, you know, you can just have that clear communication about what's important going forward. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to the next one, which is talking about decision fatigue. So if you haven't heard about decision fatigue, the idea is simple. And that idea is that as the day goes on, your decision-making abilities decrease. So the more decisions that you make and the bigger decisions that those are, um, the less you're capable of making a good decision in that moment. And so there's lots of studies that they've done on this. One that they talk about in the book was done in 2010 in Israel where they looked at judges doing parole hearings. And what they found is that during the course of the day, um, basically early on, they were more likely to grant parole and figure out good um, times to grant parole, etc. And then later on the day, they would just deny parole. And there was a an improvement right after lunch as well. And so what the idea is that for those decisions early on, they were willing to spend the time to make the difficult decisions to look at the documents. And then later on, it became more difficult to make that decision. And so they would just deny it because that was easier to do. And so the idea is that you try to structure your day in such a way that you either limit the amount of decisions that you make and put the important decisions earlier in the day so that you can make the best decisions that you can for those things that matter the most. And that's called making a decision budget. So that's kind of what he calls that, right? Yeah, so one of the guys that Dave Asprey talks about uses this idea of a decision budget. Mm -hmm. And so the idea is just that you have a limited resource, and so every decision that you make take some of that budget away and then eventually you're going to run out. So I think in a very practical sense, what this looks like for me personally, um, and the, the decisions that I found that I was making early in the day when I first woke up that just were of little to no importance is that, you know, I do check emails and Instagram and Facebook, like first thing in the morning. And you know, he gives the example of checking your email and then you have to make the decision. Do you like this post? Do you respond to this email? Do you text this person back? You know, and those are the first decisions that you're kind of wasting on the first Mm -hmm. part of your day. And those aren't super important. Mm -hmm. And so I think the determining factor that he asks you, like the question that he wants you to ask yourself is which tasks have the potential to significantly change the outcome of your mission. And so does checking my Facebook and email and Instagram first thing in the morning, is that really going to change the outcome of how I want my day to go? No, it's not. Right. Um, another big one for me was what to eat for breakfast or what to wear. Um, and 
you know, that the what to wear one was a struggle for me because I actually enjoy making that decision, I thought. But then I really slowed down the amount of clothes that I was buying and realized that that was actually a big source of anxiety for me. And so, you know, I would start off my day checking email, doing Instagram, all these things, deciding what to have for breakfast, uh, you know, deciding what to put on in the morning and then, you know, taking the kids to school, coming home, deciding whether or not I was going to clean the kitchen, deciding in what order I was going to do my chores. And then I would get to the things that were more about my mission and what I was doing and writing blogs and all of that. And then by that time, it was kind of like I was tired already, like mentally I was already fatigued. And so you know, then you go through your day and maybe, you know, you have lunch and you get a little bit more of like an energy kick. And so the first hour or two after lunch, you're like super productive. But then, you know, by the end of the day, when you've been making all these decisions that maybe aren't super important and you haven't, you know, done any meal planning or anything, you get to the end of the day and your decision making is terrible because it's always so tempting to just go get fast food or pizza for the kids because you don't feel like having to make a decision. Like for me, you know, struggling with anxiety, I really saw so quickly how this decision fatigue takes over my life. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a huge source of anxiety for me is having to make too many decisions in a day. And it makes me feel really pathetic, but it was helpful to know that I'm not the only person that this affects. Right. And so, you know, it was also a challenge to me that like, hey, I think you know, if you're struggling with anxiety in the early evenings because you've spent your whole day making these decisions you didn't have to make, and now when you do need some, you know, power in your brain to make these decisions, you don't have it. It's because you didn't budget it well. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, one thing that I found that's helpful for me, I mean, one, I usually start work around six. So, and this is something that I've heard from other people as well is that. I mean, starting your work before everyone else is there so you're not bombarded with phone calls and emails. That's one way to just artificially make sure that other people aren't demanding your time and asking you to make decisions. And you can use those first few hours of the day to do what's really important. Um, The second thing is I'm a pretty boring guy. So once I set, hey, this is what I have for breakfast, that's what I have for breakfast, and I can have that for breakfast forever until I feel like changing it. Um, and so I have a schedule in the morning that I do and I don't have to decide whether or not I'm going to do it or not because that's just what happens every morning. And so that's helpful for me. The other thing that I've found is helpful is that you do certain things at night to make it so that you don't have to make decisions in the morning. And so, um, in high school, I actually had a had a teacher who lived kind of far away and so I was asking him about that and he's like oh well it takes me 15 minutes to get ready in the morning and and it's that seemed like a really short amount of time and what he said was well you know he puts out his clothes the night before for what he's going to wear in the morning and you know he packs his lunch and he has his breakfast ready to go and so you know one of those decisions about what you're going to wear in the day you can make at night I mean, it can just be mentally like, okay, and actually, so I do that a lot of times now. Okay, tomorrow I'm going to be in the office, and so I'm going to wear jeans and this polo and these boots. And so then in the morning when you wake up, you don't have to make that decision. Or, 
you know, I like empty the coffee grounds and prep my coffee machine at night so that in the morning I can grind my coffee and make it. So, I mean, simple things like that, but I think in the long run, it's helpful because you don't have to spend your time making those decisions. And also, I mean, just like social media in general, mm-hmm. I find, and it's like even like listening to the radio, all of those are decisions, right? So like if you're scrolling through Facebook, every picture that you see, you're making a decision. Do I stop and look at it and like it? Do I stop and comment on it? Do I continue? And I found personally that like, so I don't, I tend not to go on social media at all until after my workday. Because once I do, I find that like, it's harder for me to focus. Like my clarity of thought goes down really, really fast. Yeah. And that I think has been a struggle for me because part of my job is building our social media And so I think when I approach it as that and I approach it as a job rather than just mindless scrolling, Mm -hmm. I think I tend to be more efficient at it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it requires less decision making power, you know. Um, But what was your so at the end of the little section there, it asks you what your two useless daily decisions were. So I'll go first. And so you can open your book and figure out what yours were. But I didn't write it down. Okay. <laughs> so, I don't make useless decisions. <laughs> oh my goodness, Tim! I'm just kidding. Literally, I think you and Dave Asprey would be like BFFs. I'm struggling with this, and <laughs> I, you know, I love the idea of this, but it it feels like I'm getting robbed of my ability to be spontaneous. To be honest <laughs> with you, and so I, this is all very fascinating and new to me. And the idea of time management is not new, but I've always, I mean, you can ask my parents, I've always resisted the idea of having a schedule and having things planned because I just thrive on spontaneity. And so I think I need to do some more soul searching about (laughs) why it feels so important to me to Mm. have that. But, um, my two useless daily decisions were, what to eat for breakfast and lunch. I spend, and part of that is because I uh, do struggle with eating disorders. And so for me, decision-making around food is incredibly, incredibly taxing. Um, And so while I don't enjoy the idea of having the same thing for breakfast every morning, um, when I was really sick a week or so ago and the only thing I could keep down was oatmeal, it actually was kind of nice. I mean, I missed having other food because I was hungry and not feeling well, but it was nice not to think, you know, wake up and be like, what should I eat? Cause really my only option was oatmeal. Right. So, so that was useless daily decision one. I think the second one was picking out clothes. And so I, you know, went through my closet shortly after I read this chapter and weeded out a bunch of stuff. I packed away all my winter stuff because having all seasons in my closet feels really overwhelming to me as far as it gives me too many options. Mm-hmm. And I've really tried to like, cut back a lot on the amount of clothes I was buying, which I know you're super sad about because I know how much you love it when I buy new clothes. Yeah, I do. He doesn't, guys. Truly. Um, so those okay. are my two useless daily decisions. I'm still figuring out exactly how I want to tackle those, but it was funny that I wrote those down and then literally those were the two exact uh, examples that he gave in the book about oh, right. like, under the action items and what you could do about it. So, yeah, I think... I think actually for me it was it's just more of realization. So in the later on in the day, sometimes I'll get on YouTube and watch some videos, some fitness people that I follow, or some you know action scenes from kung fu movies that I like. And <laughs> I love you. <laughs> um, 
I'm just being honest. This is this is real talk. This is pure Tim. Real talk with Tim. Raw. Um, I love kung fu movies, and so, but I realized that that actually it it took a lot away from my interactions with the kids in the evening, um, and trying to make conscious, you know, because YouTube is just this death spiral. And so it's like, oh, well, this video is 10 minutes. Oh, that's on, you know, it's just 10 minutes. And I'm like, oh, it's another video. It's five minutes. That's a big deal. No, six minutes. It's so easy to waste um, time on YouTube. And so I think for me, that was, it was just like, a, these are decisions that, I mean, it's taking away time from the kids. And I guess it's not super related to this decision-making thing, but I don't that's what, that's what came to mind. Because it, it decreases my ability to make better decisions about what I'm doing with my time when the kids are around, I guess. So really quickly to wrap up, how do you feel like this can apply to marriage as far as, you know, decisions that you make? I mean, obviously, you know, if you're experiencing decision fatigue, you're going to be more short tempered with your spouse. You're going to be more frustrated Mm -hmm. if your spouse is asking you to make a decision saying, what do we want to have for dinner? Mm -hmm. Or do you want to go do this? Or can we do this tonight? Or, you know, whatever. You're going to be more taxed and less willing to help out your spouse or do something like that but how else do you feel like this could help i can't relate can't relate at all stop um (laughs) so i think a few things i mean one if you have a big decision to make don't make it at night Mm. um because that is the worst time of day to make big decisions Mm -hmm. because you've already made so many decisions through the day um two i think try to have a plan if you can try to be more organized because then those are decisions that you don't have to make so whether that means splitting up nights to determine who makes dinner or what the one of the action or ideas that he had which i really liked which ash and i kind of have improvised and done is he called it a capsule diet but basically it's just saying hey look you really have like five options for dinner or whatever three options for dinner you always have those things in the house and so then when it's time to make dinner, you can make one of those three. And when you get bored, you can change it out. And so we, Ash and I have found over time that that's what we've tended to do. Yeah. Just kind of naturally. I always thought that was because we were lazy, but now I realize it's because we're geniuses. That's right. <laughs> Dave asked we didn't even have to tell us. That's right. No. I mean, really, we were cheap and didn't want to have to go out and didn't want to have to make a decision or you know, do something easy. So actually, that yeah, that's something that can been really easily be... Yeah, I think that was probably the one of the biggest action items I think for couples, especially with kids is being like, okay, look, here's three things that we do. And if we want to, you know, if someone wants to cook something special in the evening, you know, you can do that, but you have these backups. So, you know, just in case you have something easy to make. And that's, I think that's a big, it's been a big stressor for us at least. Um, and that's been a big help. All right. Well guys, we're going to wrap up this episode. We are, have a date to go see Woo. the Avengers Again. For the second time today. So pumped. So we're actually going without kids this time because last time our daughter, our youngest daughter, Betsy, had to go to the bathroom like <sighs> five times. During the finale. Started. Yeah. It was annoying. So we're going to, I mean, we love her, but yeah, it, this is what we get for buying our kids soda. Um, so we're going to go see it without kids and hopefully, you know, be able to sit through the whole thing, um, you know, without having to be the dish, you know, be the bathroom chaperone so we hope you guys enjoyed this episode let us know what you think um shoot us an email at ourlittleromance05 at gmail.com you can check us out on our website ourlittleromance.com you can find us on instagram ourlittleromance you guys get the idea check it out (laughs) 
Take time this week to tell your wife you love him. Aww.